Hello everyone, welcome back. Here is a new set of questions. I think these were asked on October 9th. Let's begin. Part 1. Do you remember playing any sports in your childhood? When I was young, I was really not interested in sports at all and well, in the same way as an adult, but I do remember playing badminton and you know i really enjoyed that um, even though i was not very good at it my parents encouraged me to play and they would actually play with me you know every night after dinner i think when i was about eight to ten years old we used to regularly play badminton as a family and i think that's you know one of my fondest memories from childhood as well um i don't remember this but my mom told me once that i played table tennis when i was i think five or six years old but i have no memory of it whatsoever Do you agree that there is too much sports being shown on television? Honestly, I don't really watch cable TV because I'm a cord cutter. You know, I just feel like there's no real reason for me to have a cable connection. But I do remember when I was younger and we had cable back then, um, we had like lots of channels, you know, for sports. And I felt like at that time, I was really interested in, you know, music channels and things like that. And I felt like <laughs> there was a lot more coverage for sports and, you know, all kinds of like, you know, you had the FIFA World Cup and you had all these cricket championships and you had all of these Grand Slams and things like that. There was so much coverage for sports. And I feel like that was really reflective of real life because, you know, even in real life, like, you know, at the school I was in, they focused so much on sports and I was like a completely, you know, I'm not an athletic person at all. <laughs> and, you know, I just hated it. I was so annoyed by it. What sports do people in your country follow or support the most? Generally speaking, Indians love cricket. You know, I mean, I mean, love cricket. There's, uh, there's, there's a lot of um, craziness around cricket, you know, um, people are very passionate about it. And because of all of this, when I was younger, like when I was, you know, like seven years old or so, I used to think that cricket was our national sport, but I was wrong. Our national sport is actually hockey. And you never hear about like, you know, hockey championships or whatever in the newspapers. It's all cricket this and cricket that. And everywhere you go, you know, you've got young boys, you've got teenagers, even adult men playing cricket as a pastime, you know. It's it's something that you see a lot of people, um, you know, if it's one thing, you know, if it's one sport that people enjoy, it's cricket. But a lot of people in my age group and younger are also starting to develop a passion for tennis and uh, basketball, or is that baseball? Which one is it? I, I always forget, you know, because I'm not a very sporty person. So I think it's, yeah, oh, sorry, it's football. It's football that they enjoy. I've seen a lot of, you know, uh, teenagers nowadays get together to play football. And we have a lot of turfs being developed as well. So, yeah. Have you ever supported a sports team? Yeah, when uh, when I was younger, you know, and I used to watch cricket with my dad on the TV. And um, I, of course, I would support my country. <laughs> That's what you do, right? And it was always very tense, you know, when, when we'd have a match against, like, um, you know, any of our, uh, you know, <laughs> any of our, I hate to use the word, you know, rivals. It's like, 
I don't like the word, you know. I mean, it's, it's just a sport anyway. But, you know, it's always tense. Like, oh, my God, there's only so many runs left and so many wickets left. And, you know, you're like thinking, oh, my God, are they going to make it? Are they going to win? Are they going to lose? <laughs> What's going to happen? Um, and I had a similar experience because I was starting to get into football for some odd reason. I don't know why. <laughs> I just had a phase. and it, I didn't understand anything. But um, I was cheering on Germany <laughs> in, I think, um, 2000, I don't know, 10 or something like that <laughs> i don't know why really but it's kind of fun you know I, I i began to understand why people were so passionate about sports it, it's kind of addicting to be honest uh, do you prefer watching sports on television or going out to see it live um i'm not really it's not something that i you know consider like a pastime of mine i mean the last time i watched sports was probably like eight ten years ago i guess so I would do neither. <laughs> I would rather watch like an opera or something, you know, sports is just not like, not something I'm really keen on. But um, like, you know, if, if I've got friends who are interested in something, I'm, I may go along with them. But again, it's just, it's not like, you know, a preference of mine, you know. Okay, let's go on to part two. So describe a time when you formed a group. You should say what kind of group it was when and where you formed it, why did you form it, and explain how the group accomplished its goals. So about two months ago, I started this online German course, and um, I think on the first day, we were just kind of introducing ourselves to each other, and um, within a few lessons, our, our professors told us that we were, you know, um, since there were like 25 students, we had to form groups amongst ourselves, like groups of like four or five people. And so um, I, I'm kind of active, you know, when it comes to taking action, I'm, I tend to <laughs> react uh, quickly. So I, um, you know, I already knew like two people and I figured that I would just, you know, contact them and ask them if they wanted to form a group with me. And they agreed and they knew like two other people. So then we formed one group and our groups have to be named after like German cities and ours was called Hamburg. So um, we were not exactly told, you know, why we were forming these groups. Um, but then within a few lessons, our professor told us that we'd have to do exercises in class and we'd have, you know, homework where we had to speak to each other, ask each other questions and things like that. So um, we had this, uh, I remember this, this one time we had to, you know, interview each other and do it entirely in German. And by this point, I think we'd only been learning the language for... I think three weeks or so and so like it was I would say for pretty much all of us it was definitely a really you know fun challenge because you, you kind of force yourself to you know think in that language but it was fun all of us group members you know we took turns interviewing each other and um, it was um, a good activity you know I really began to enjoy learning online and uh, the last time we needed to use the group was when we were doing this online activity on um, I think it's called Pear Deck or something like that and we had to oh yeah so like I said there's you know five people in a group and a professor told us that okay we'd have to you know fill out this verb ending table or something uh, no sorry it was a plural plural ending table <laughs> because uh, German plurals are not as simple as English plurals <laughs> and so um, 
only one person could type um, on that sheet at a time. And so, you know, we decided that I would be the one who did the typing and the others would like tell me, you know, over a conference call what to type. And, um, you know, we actually ended up being the first group, <laughs> which I'm still pretty uh, proud about. Although it sounds silly to be proud about such a thing. But, you know, I'm really like competitive and I, I really enjoy like doing these kinds of things, you know. Part three, why do children make groups in schools? I think kids naturally gravitate towards, you know, forming these associations with other kids. It could be based on their common interests. I mean, I remember when I was a teenager, um, I was into a lot of rock music and metal and things like that. And most people, you know, of my age, <laughs> they weren't really into that sort of thing. And so naturally, you tend to seek out people who like the same things that you do. So that's obviously one reason. And, you know, sometimes uh, teachers also tend to make an effort to, you know, like push these kids into forming groups, either to do their homework or to like check in on each other, you know, for group activities. Um, also to play, of course. I mean, I remember when I was a kid in school, we had this... Um, physical training lesson I think twice a week or something and essentially it was just <laughs> like 40 minutes of playtime for us so yeah do you think older people should encourage children to form groups I think that's a good idea but you have to be wary not to push anyone you know because uh, I mean I know that I was kind of a loner and um, like at times, I would enjoy groups, you know, but then I really prefer doing things by myself. So encourage them, yes, you know, by all means, but don't force them into it. Don't push them into it, you know, because everyone's different. And, you know, some people really enjoy doing things by themselves and some others just hate that. And they would prefer to, you know, have a group that they could, you know, depend on, rely on. Um, yeah. So I think it's a good idea. Obviously, every human being, you know, regardless of age, needs some kind of um, a, a cohort you know you need to have peers in your field you know at school at work wherever it is so I think that's a good practice but it should be done with a little bit of caution what are the reasons for children refusing to take part in group activities um, you know, like I said earlier, some kids, you know, they're just loners and they much prefer their own company. You don't want to force like an, you know, very introverted kid to, you know, put themselves out there and, you know, be very, you know, participatory in these groups. So I think that um, that could be a reason. But then, uh, you know, sometimes you've got like some kids who just don't get along with others. Um, maybe they're being bullied, you know, or maybe they just um, don't really fit in anywhere. So then they may just refuse to, you know, communicate with the others and like hang out with them, which is, uh, it's pretty common, like, you know, in teenagers, especially young kids are like, oh, they're very like, <laughs> they get along with each other really easily, as I've, I've seen myself, you know, I used to work with kids. Okay, do you think countries should make groups that work internationally? I mean, obviously, that's a fantastic idea, and we have been doing that in many ways. Um, 
India, I know, is a part of BRICS. It's a um, group of Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And there's lots of organizations and you know, lots of groups like these that work on an international scale and they kind of, you know, aim to help each other, the countries in that group, with their goals. Last I checked, we were supposed to have some kind of Asian developmental bank that would give out, you know, really cheap loans to BRICS countries, but uh, I'm not sure that's happened. And of course, you know, we have other bigger organizations like the UN, uh, the WHO, um, and I, I do think that they are, of course, um, you know, useful and important in their own way. Um, obviously, no country can really, you know, depend entirely on itself alone. You need to interact. I mean, it's, you know, in, in 2020, it's, it's no longer... Um, possible for a country to be isolationist. <laughs> the only country that does that is North Korea and they're clearly not doing well. <laughs> when and why should countries make groups at the international level? Um, well, obviously, you know, you've got like a lot of countries have similar goals. Um, it's, you know, either due to their culture or maybe their geographic location. Like for example, in South America, I think all of the South American countries form some kind of group. I don't know what it's called. I think it's called Mercosur. I'm not exactly sure what it's called, but I think that's what it's called. Anyway, and a lot of Asian countries, um, I mean, uh, East Asian countries are a part of um, Asian or something like that. I really just, I forgot all these names because it was a long time ago. <laughs> that I learned about them in college. Um, but yeah, all of these regional organizations, you've got, um, you know, the EU, of course, you've got um, various treaties and things like that. And uh, clearly they have, you know, a unique binding force, whether that's culture, whether that's geographic location. Um, obviously, um, you know, for, for example, I mean, if you take, um, you've got CIS countries, you know, up in Eastern Europe, and they, they have a shared history. They have, you know, similar cultures, and they come from similar backgrounds of, of communism. And so it would obviously be beneficial for them to work together to uplift each other. Um, and that's generally what these organizations do. So I think they're pretty helpful, and there definitely should be, you know, a lot of brotherhood involved between nations. I think it's a good good thing for world peace as well.